Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Uh, well, people are growing old in prison. And with that worldwide trend comes an increased rate of prisoners with dementia. Uh, and it raises all sorts of philosophical and ethical questions like when a prisoner loses the capacity to understand and remember their crime, is there still the same rationale to keep them in prison? The very nature of being in prison, everything from the physical design to the rules that have to be obeyed, may even exacerbate symptoms of dementia. To discuss this, we're joined by clinical and forensic psychologist Ella Coford, who's doing her PhD research into dementia in prisons at Swinburne University of Technology in Melbourne. She joins us now. Hi, Ella. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to chat to you. What's attracted you to this topic? I have about 10 years work history in the field of clinical trials, looking at new drug treatments for Alzheimer's disease. Uh, so I, when I went back to do my doctorate, I thought, how do I bring this into the, the forensic field and, and really started to explore this issue of dementia in prisons. Is it a growing issue? It is a growing issue. I mean, we know that the general population is ageing, but one of the biggest challenges we face is that um, Older prisoners tend to present uh, with more health concerns that actually makes them appear physically older than, say, someone who's 65 in the in the general population. Um, we see sort of someone aged 50 presenting with the same age concerns. So um, it is a it is a pressing issue. That physically they look older or, or present older, but does that make them more likely to get dementia earlier or more likely to get it at all? I guess that's the hypothesis, right, that um, if people are presenting with medical and, and physical health concerns that are risk factors for dementia, they might be more likely to develop the illness earlier in life. What, what, um, and sorry, what are those risk factors? Well, there's, there's a number of modifiable, modifiable and non-modifiable risk factors. Age is obviously the most um, obvious one. As we get older, people tend to be more predisposed predisposed to developing a dementia, but there's lots of other things that um, we need to consider, like having poor cardiac health, uh, traumatic brain injuries, drug and alcohol abuse. Uh, there's a number of different factors. Would it be fair to say that some of those things you're describing are more likely to have happened in the lives of people who end up in prison? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's where this sort of hypothesis that this is going to be a, a growing concern sort of comes from is that we are dealing with a vulnerable group of people who have specific medical and health needs um, that are quite unique to what we see in the general population. Do the stats bear that out, by the way? If you look at a population of prisoners compared to non-prisoners, do they tend to have more dementia? Uh, Well, that's an interesting question, and it is the question of my research. (laughs) Look, it, it, I mean, the hypothesis is there. We can't reveal the results yet, but certainly they do have higher numbers of those risk factors. Yeah. And then there's another problem, which is that if you have dementia and you're in prison, prison could make it worse, could exacerbate things. Yeah, you're right. So um, prisons are designed to be safe and secure. 
They're not designed to be sort of environments for ageing. They're typically designed for young offenders to sort of rehabilitate and get them back to the community. Um, so those who grow old in prison sort of find themselves inside the walls of, of a facility that's really not not appropriate for them. In, in what ways, what sorts of aspects of prisons can be troubling or can be worse for someone with dementia? Yeah, I think if we think about like the physical environment, often prisons are full of hard surfaces, rooms can't be modified, there's unmovable furniture. Um, but then also the fact that someone with a cognitive impairment in a prison is really quite vulnerable, particularly to younger prisoners who might take advantage of them, but also to prison staff who might not understand their behaviour. Yeah, very interesting. So if we, if your research, if your hypothesis is proven to be correct, that it, um, that it happens more often in prisons, we already know that prisons might not be helpful. What are the implications of that? How might policy change or be expected to change if we see that there's an extra problem in this part of public life? Yeah, and it really is, it, it's kind of a, a bit of a quagmire question concern that we we really need to start to consider, particularly if the ageing population does continue to grow. Um, I think, you know, starting with things like environmental adaptations where they can is really important, um, but also working out how to modify the environment. So in terms of rehabilitation programs that are appropriate to people who have cognitive impairment um, is also another sort of approach. I mean, obviously, one of the best approaches would be to sort of implement some kind of quasi-aged care setting, but obviously that comes with pretty significant costs. Yeah. Our Department of Corrections has a strategy to support older prisoners. It's called Hokairangi. Um, Is that a good start, and and might that be a starting point for um, some extra care for prisoners who have dementia? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are a number of different frameworks. I I must admit I'm not familiar with that one in particular, but uh, I know that you've got Rimataka prison there. Yeah. um, And they've made some environmental adaptations, modified cells, sort of more dementia-friendly environments, and that's certainly a step in the right direction. Yeah, just Um, as the first time I've come across it as well, I'll just read a little bit from this... um, list here, developing sustainable exercise programs that improve an individual's strength and balance, helping to prevent falls, understanding communication skills required to support people in prison, experiencing cognitive decline or dementia, considering environmental changes to support older people with impaired vision, hearing and reduced mobility, identifying who our older people are and the impairments they are managing, and continuing family engagement to support social connections. Actually, all that stuff is targeted at older prisoners, but sounds like a pretty good playbook for dementia too. Absolutely. I think that's a great start, but I think um, some of the the frameworks that exist both um, in New Zealand and in Australia here have a lot of focus on frailty and and frail prisoners um, rather than cognitive impairment, but it sounds like they've considered that. I think one thing we should think about is that prison's actually a fantastic opportunity to promote health. We tend to get a lot of people who um, maybe don't have the greatest health literacy in a space uh, for a extended period of time and what a good place to sort of promote healthy ageing programs. Uh, you are a clinical psychologist. How are your philosophy skills? Is it, is it worth, <laughs> is it um, valuable 
is it humane to keep someone locked up for a crime that they didn't know they committed and no longer remember committing? Yeah, I think that's quite a conundrum and that's sort of where we need to balance the human rights aspect. So making sure that they are cared for while they're um, in the prison system, but also we need to balance the principles of sentencing. So, you know, uh, sometimes retribution is enough. That's so punishing the wrongdoing of their crime. That's enough to keep them, you know, incarcerated, but making sure that they are incarcerated in a humane way is crucial. Well, there are all sorts of reasons for imprisoning someone. Um, Your retribution, as you say, but also rehabilitation. Quite hard to understand how you might rehabilitate someone who doesn't remember what they did. Yeah, and that's that's sort of one of the arguments I suppose I would I would propose is that um, once once a prisoner can no longer remember his crime or even engage appropriately in rehabilitation programs, you know, having a cognitive impairment just isn't being able to not recall something. You know, being able to attend and meaningfully engage in rehabilitation may no may no longer apply. Uh, and then, of course, you think of the victims and their families uh, who would uh, no doubt be horrified to hear someone's being let out because they didn't remember the horrific things they did. And actually, there's one on the news at the moment, a name people will know, Joseph Fritzel, whose legal team is pursuing his release due to the onset of dementia-related illness. Have you um, been across that case at all? I have. I have been across that case. And I think retribution is, is the key principle that comes into play here. Um, when someone is sentenced, the judge sort of weighs uh, those four principles, um, and sometimes retribution alone is enough to satisfy the community expectations and really address what the victims deserve. Gosh, interesting area for you to get into. Um, when do you expect your research to be complete? Uh, it has been completed. Uh, we're in the process of writing publications at the moment and just waiting for that uh, piece of paper that finally says I'm a doctorate. Good stuff. Hey, and um, just on your general area of interest, Alzheimer's and medications, any good news on the way here? Uh, look, always, always trying new hypotheses uh, in that field. And uh, I think every time we, we find something that doesn't quite work how we expect, we move closer to something that does work. Okay, that's a very diplomatic answer. You don't want to break any news <laughs> with us today. You've uh, found I'll, a miracle I'll... cure, Ella. I'll be honest, I left I left the clinical trial field about a year ago to work in a prison, so Okay. Hey, um thanks for the work you're doing and for starting an interesting conversation. Thank you so much for letting me sort of raise awareness about it. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over twenty years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.